Welcome to Feminine Founder. I'm Caroline Pennington, your host. Today, I have Faith Hurley and Stacey Callaghan joining me. Faith and Stacey are both the co-founders of Pinpoint Collective. So welcome. Thank you for having us. So I'd love to hear from both of you, your stories kind of separately and together on your backgrounds in corporate America and then going from corporate America to the entrepreneurial path and then starting Pinpoint Collective and kind of how you've grown it from there. Great. Yeah. Where do I start? We start? Um, Well, Faith and I have very different backgrounds. We come from very different ways of life and have merged together. And as soon as we merged, we have not been able to separate since. (laughs) Um, But I call myself a recovering architect. I practiced in traditional architecture for years. Um, And actually, while I was getting my master's degree is when truly I realized that maybe architecture was not the thing that I wanted to pursue my entire career. Um, And the big piece of that was as I'm working alongside some of the best architects in the world, I was recognizing that so many of them cared, unfortunately, a lot more about putting their signature on the facade of a building than they truly cared about the people who were going to be inhabiting that building, that who they were creating for. Um, And I personally just could not get past that. And so because of that, I kind of found this whole strange world of human-centered design and design thinking where um, it's really about leveraging qualitative research and walking in somebody's shoes and designing based on what their needs are and uh, orchestrating all of the patterns of those needs across many, many individuals um, to really find solutions that matter. And so uh, at the time when I kind of discovered this world, at least there was not really anyone playing at the intersection of spatial design, architecture, and human-centered design, Um, but I was really inspired by a lot of human-centered design practices out there. One of them was IA Collaborative, which happened to be in my hometown of Chicago, ended up moving back here, um, pitched to them a crazy idea, like, I know you have nobody on your team right now that is an architect or in spatial design, but I think if we could apply your processes and your research and strategy uh, techniques to spatial design. There's a huge opportunity to really make an impact in this world. Um, so IA took a huge chance, brought me on board, and truly from day one, partnered, put us together, Faith and I, and we have not been separated since. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. I was smart enough. I just like saw a really smart woman and started to ride her coattails, if you will. Um, But just to briefly give you a background. So as Stacey said, I come from a very different background. I was actually an actor in my former life, um, which feels like a stretch probably for the average Joe to see how you got into human centered design and like corporate America uh, from that side of things. But really, there are a lot of parallels. It's just really understanding and being very observant and Pathetic and genuinely listening to the why behind what people do versus what they say they do, which is always not uh, sometimes in sync. Um, so all of that uh, in a weird turn of events led me to get exactly the same point that Stacy and I intersected, which was just being introduced to human-centered design and recognizing that that methodology and my talents and passions that aligned with that 
could impact someone's life forever. So, you know, again, I am the biggest cheerleader for arts and culture and music and theater and all of that. But when I recognize that that same skill set and driver, along with the collaboration of other team members, you know, could help someone that might have diabetes, you know, have a completely different life for the better in the future or to bring underrepresented voices and opinions and perspectives to actually help design the solution that's needed, not what we in corporate America sitting around a table might just assume is needed. So um, as Stacey said, we met at IA Collaborative, uh, which is an agency side of things in corporate America. And then we were both approached by a kind of more in-house mentality of corporation. Uh, Went in there, started their in-house thinking tank for about two and a half years, started that team up. And then, you know, as you said, what was then the kind of driving force to leave what is considered, you know, the security or the just comfort of, you know, uh, all the departments that help a corporation grow and thrive um, was really just us looking at each other and having been an agency and then in-house and recognizing so much of the companies that we were working with didn't have perspectives of the people that they were actually designing solutions or products or offerings at the table. And it was just a really hard pill for both of us to swallow that we were just designing on assumptions and not really engaging with the right community. So we finally looked at each other, took what would be that big risk or big bold as other uh, bold move as other people might refer to it as and decided to go out and start Pinpoint. Uh, Pinpoint will be Five in July, we have a, a small but mighty, mighty brilliant team of about five others um, on our team that uh, kind of run the gamut of roles from researchers to research strategists to uh, research voice kind of recruitment. So help us make sure that we are holding ourselves accountable to have diverse populations in our projects. That, yeah. Wow, I love that. <laughs> and then... What did that look like? I mean, both of you came, you worked on the agency side, you worked in-house. So I'm sure at both points you had some kind of support, you know, whether it be corporate HR or someone in operations or whatever, sending you people or prospective candidates that could work in your departments. And then here you are both trying to figure it out for yourself. So obviously the two of you just started, started the company from scratch with each of you. And then what did that look like? even figure out how to hire your first employee? Yeah, such a great question. Um, and I still feel like we're figuring that out today. <laughs> um, I mean, we, two, two things. One, we had been so fortunate to be immersed with brilliant humans in our other roles over the decade that we had been working together before starting Pinpoint. Um, And so we had just an incredible network of cheerleaders that from day one were just like, not only supporting us from the sidelines and cheering us on as we developed the company, but honestly, we had quite a good handful of friends of ours who uh, we had worked with over the years and who were excited to support by helping join the team and help bring their skill sets and their diverse perspectives to our team. Um, so we did get, I will say, very, very lucky yes. with some of those very first hires because they were people that were already in our network. There was already an inherent trust built. Um, but obviously, we knew in order to 
further our own growth and education and continue to evolve Pinpoint, we had to get outside of our own network and really start looking at new talent. Um, and so one of the very first things that we did, um, because we are female owned, we are uh, right now, at least our entire team is female. It's been a key core principle of ours since day one to be able to support women in the work field, whether they um, are choosing to have kids, choosing not to have kids, choosing to go on sabbaticals, choosing to travel, whatever that might look like for us to be able to support their lives. Um, and one of the companies that we felt like actually very much aligned with that was the mom project. And so they were one of the first organizations that we reached out to when we needed to look for talent beyond our network um, and really look at other women out there who maybe took a break in their careers or um, were starting to tra transition into a new industry, but just wanted to test the waters. And that experience honestly was uh really, really successful mm -hmm. to us. And I think we're really grateful to have met some of our current talent now in-house um, through the Mom Project. Mm -hmm. I think we were also, someone gave us some sage advice early on of like building your network before you need your network. And they meant that both from like a internal capabilities perspective, but also potential clients. And I think us recognizing that if we stayed within just a friend of a friend, a, a family member, we weren't going to get the diversity that we were seeking. Um, so recognizing and trying to get involved in programs within, you know, colleges, either even, you know, um, even younger youth within the Chicagoland area, uh, trying to get engaged early on so that A, those populations know that this is a career trajectory and path, and B, we get to see talent before maybe we would necessarily, our paths would cross. So I think we're, we try our best, even though there's only 24 hours a day to take every coffee, to take every engagement that's brought to us, um, because you just never really know where it's going to lead you to. And um, it does always lead us to, you know, really, you know, different perspectives, different paths, different, all of the things that we're craving um, that help Pinpoint be better and stronger because of it. So I think recognizing, you know, both in-house and in agency life, and I'm sure you can relate, Carolyn, there's the moment that you need the role and it's just, you know, oh my gosh, who who knows anyone that is similar to this, right? And it's it is a reactionary thing, right? It's, it's panic and it's go, go, go. And so really trying to build that bench or those connections far before you think you might even need that role. So then when the time comes, um, you're not, you're still scrambling, but maybe it feels <laughs> a little bit more strategic uh, than as reactionary. Those hires, in my experience, typically do not work out. The desperate hires, and they happen for everybody. So, mm -hmm. and even as a recruiter, I mean, I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in. They're like, we need somebody yesterday. I'm like, Okay, let's just not make a yesterday desperate hire here because um, it doesn't work out in the long run. And, you know, as much as I talk about on LinkedIn, you know, hire fast, there's still that fine line, that dance you have to do of, okay, is this person going to fit culturally with us? Do we like working with this person? Do they match all the skills? Mm -hmm. um, are they in the compensation range of what we have available? And so it's all the things. 
all, all those things. things. And all those things that you just mentioned are lenses that we look through and are forced to look through, but also recognizing that we're a smaller startup company. So, you know, what what can we add value in terms of what Stacy was mentioning of supporting their whole self, their whole life? Like, where can we do that? Um, when we know we're up against other competitors out there that can possibly have a larger compensation package or what that might be. But, you know, we we work really hard at the culture that we create here and uh, and making sure that they can be their authentic self inside the walls and outside the walls of Pinpoint. So looking through all those lenses takes time and effort to find to find the right fits. It does. And one thing that you touched on that I think I've seen a lot more is you talked about the human centered design and the why behind people take actions and make choices. And a lot of what I'm seeing now with companies, at least from as a recruiting partner, a lot of companies are doing a good job being proactive, sending out surveys like, what do you guys want from us? And that just goes back and infuses with the culture. And you guys are lucky at the size you are having the opportunity to do that or talk to your employees about you know, what's important to them outside of their job or what would they need to do their job better or be happier or whatever, fill in the blank, um, which is keeping that retention in there, you know? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I mean, to be honest with you, that was a big reason that we left corporate America as well, right? Like here we are, our job is to go out and listen to our client's audience and deeply unpack what their needs are. And we were not seeing our own organizations doing that for our team. And so that was, I think, a big driver for us in developing Pinpoint as well was like, how could we create a culture that was truly driven by our own personal values, Faith and I, but then beyond that, to be able to expand towards the values of our team and what their needs are and that constant listening, like you were mentioning, that um, is a huge piece of what we do. We do like a, a quickly, a weekly pulse check with our team once a week, just to get an idea of, you know, how is the work that they're doing? Is it, does it align with the values of pinpoint? Are they excited by it? Does it bring them joy? Um, so that faith and I can just reflect, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in these pivotal moments of, are we bringing the right clients in the door? Are we bringing the right projects in the door? Um, and are we supporting our team in the way that enables them to, like they said, be their best selves? So did you guys have to pivot through the pandemic at all? Or did you have to make any adjustments with being in kind of startup mode still? Um, certainly. <laughs> I think, I think much of it was a mental game, right? At that point, a mental pivot. Uh, it, it feels wild to all of us now that we can somewhat reflect back and have the hindsight that wasn't there at the time. So it was just the unknowns and all the fear that that brought for everyone involved. Um, so the good news is, thank goodness, there were so many incredible digital tools that companies had built already. The Zooms, the murals, the Muros of the world. Otherwise, our jobs would have looked dramatically different um, had those those tools not been in place. We were doing far more travel and far more in person, um, but it really did. We leaned in hard to the solutions that were there, and I think it really opened up 
project work that we possibly wouldn't have gotten before because we would have thought it wasn't um, in line with our methodology if we couldn't be in person or um, it's opened up our team. You know, our, our team, not everyone is in Chicago. We have people on the East Coast, we have people, on the, you know, it's and it's just allowed for so much flexibility um, of bringing in different clients, different talent, different skill sets through that lens. Um, so I do think there are certainly gifts that came from those lessons in COVID and the pivots that we were like so many forced to take. Uh, I think we were also, you know, one of those, you know, small and scrappy. So that was an easier position to be in, um, in some ways that other teams that we are, you know, friends or colleagues of that are, that wasn't the case, um, with the headcounts versus the budgets and all of that. But we we also got to work on incredible work with other organizations, more of that corporate lens of what does it mean to, you know, you know, what's the future of their workspace? What's their headquarters look like? What do their offices look like? And because, you know, just as you were describing, organizations are listening more to their internal teams. We were hired to do a lot of that work to really understand what would be the future of X for this organization um, so that hopefully they weren't just making decisions based on only, you know, the bottom line, which is very important. We recognize that, but also really what was the the culture and the team makeup and the needs that their employees had as well. So um, overall, I think we look back now and are, are grateful for a lot that came from that. Yeah. And I also look back and I'm looking at the pins on our wall and I feel like um, the way that we structured our company from day one with our pins actually enabled us that flexibility for our team during COVID. So when we first started Pinpoint, one of our biggest pain points when we were working both with that uh, within corporate America and then on the agency side of things was just the unknowns of the projects that were coming in the door. Like we wanted to figure out a solution of being able to better look at our pipeline, develop that pipeline, and then be able to plan for the resources that were needed. Um, so we created essentially these modules that we call pins, and we know exactly how many hours it takes to do each of these pins. And to complete a pin takes roughly about a month. Um, and we know that if somebody were working full time, they could do three pins at a time, but it gives us that flexibility so that if somebody is taking a sabbatical or they are also have other part-time work that they can do one pin a month, they could do two pins or when they're that full-time capacity, they're doing three pins. And so I think during, you know, we had always thought of our business in that way from day one pre-COVID, but when COVID happened, it also I think meant that our team was prepared for that flexibility and we all were able to figure out a way that, you know, for our at the time, I think there was just one person working for us that was at that three pin full time capacity. And we were able to have very open, transparent conversations about going down to one pin for a month and then ramping it back up to two until we got back to that three. But I think because we developed our model in that way, it didn't come as a shock to our team when we did need that flexibility on pinpoint side, just as much as that flexibility provides the team on their personal side. I think that's a great example of just making that adjustment with the three to one and then based on your forecasting of what you've got going on, client demands, and then work capacity of your existing employees. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what advice do you have for others on best practices when it comes to recruiting and hiring? <laughs> um, again, I think the first thing that comes to mind is I, I would, I would say, don't ensure that you don't have per, perhaps conscious or subconscious blinders on of where that connection might come from, um, in terms of just keeping it a little bit more fluid and open to what that might, that, that might, that right candidate might come from. Um, I think we're also huge, mm -hmm. huge advocates for people having a diverse background. Uh, sometimes, you know, when we're meeting people and the candidates like, oh, I, I know it looks like I kind of have a crazy resume or it's pretty wild. I was here and in this role and, and then I totally pivoted and I did something else. And, and they seem almost defensive about that because of the more traditional career path. And, and we embrace that, that that means that you have a lot of experience and you have a lot of varied perspectives. And so I think, you know, maybe debunking some of those more traditional uh, list items of checking for that candidate, maybe be a little bit more open to what they can bring to the table. Um, and I think we're also really big components of transparency you know, uh, allowing them to know where we are and what we what our vision is and what we can actually offer now so that, you know, we're doing our best to make sure that we're the right candidates for both of each other uh, right from the start. So I think those angles of making sure that they're a good fit culturally, they're a good fit to what you believe in and mission and vision, because you can teach you know, softwares and you can teach processes that we have, but those core fundamental alignment of values is, is something that, you know, isn't, you can't read it off of a book. So, yeah, I would just emphasize that last point in that there's been a handful of people that we've come in contact with that, um, you know, like immediately when that spark just happens and you're like, kismic friends friendship right where it's like how have we not been in each other's lives before but it feels like you've known each other forever um i think that at the beginning it felt almost wrong to bring those people on our team if it didn't feel like they had every skill set on our checklist even though we really wanted to, because we couldn't, you know, like we wanted to be, just be around them every day. We always think of like, you know, who, if your plane got stranded at an airport, would you, would you want to be with that person <laughs> for hours on end? Um, and so I think that's honestly been a big learning. We've hired both on the, like purely this person shares our values. They are cheerleaders of our brand and of us as humans. Um, they might not have all the skill sets today, but like they believe in us. We've also then hired on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is like that person checks every single box from a skill set perspective. But maybe there was like a little gut feeling that they weren't a total alignment with like who we are as, as people. Um, and I will say, hands down, every time we have hired on values on that person who has believed in us, we have been able to train them our skills and our processes, and they have stayed on our team the longest. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a hard thing in the moment, especially when we're talking about like needing somebody tomorrow um, to find that person that connects on values, which again, I think is why it is so important for us to like build that network and figure out who our connections are um, so that we can be less uh, reactive in those moments. 
I love hearing that you've done both hired with whoever fill in the blank checks all the skills and then there was misalignment and then you give the person the opportunity that maybe doesn't have the software but I mean most people can learn the software you don't I mean mm-hmm. yeah, 100% uh you can go to pinpointcollective.com uh both that's our website that's our Instagram handle. Pinpoint Collective. Yes. We're, as well as LinkedIn. Yep. We're on LinkedIn. We do a tidbit pretty much every day of other cool companies doing really cool things out in the world that are helping more diverse communities have a platform or a voice or, um, yeah. So we're, we, we try to, we try to put ourselves out there. So yeah. Yes, please follow. <laughs> and please connect with us. We yes. always love meeting new people and having coffee dates with total strangers. We never, like they said, we never know what can come of those. So please. That's please. how we're on this, Carolyn. Yeah. Was a, a, a coffee between the two of us. 